Good morning. Uh, much better. Good morning. <laughs> I, um, as of Wednesday, had every intention on preaching on the prophets, just as Mike suggested um, in his introduction, but I've since changed my mind. I simply could not let this gospel reading go unaddressed. But what, you, what we realize when we hear these words of Jesus is that um, the words that Jeremiah was speaking to the nation of Israel um, is very applicable. He's speaking to a nation who does not understand discipleship, does not understand following God like Jesus is presenting to us here in, his gospel, in the gospel passage this morning. And so they're, they're not irrelevant, they're not unrelated, and we're going to revisit briefly this idea of the, um, the potter later in the sermon. But keep in mind that the word of the prophets... This word from Jeremiah is for a nation that does not understand what it means to follow God. It's a word for us when we don't understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Thankfully, though, Jesus has not left us without um, a set of, not necessarily instructions, but of what we should expect. What should one expect when they follow Jesus? Now, this is, is interesting because in our culture, in, in the, the church around the world, even in this church from, from time to time, we focus on important questions, um, but we leave aside some other ones. And so we, we focus on questions like, who is Jesus? Why should you have faith in him? What has he done for us? All of these are good questions to ask. But one that we don't touch on quite as much is, what does it mean, or better yet, what does it cost to follow him. So it's one thing to know who he is, it's one thing to believe in him, to make a decision to follow him, but what is that actually going to look like? And that's what Jesus describes in our gospel this morning. So um, Jesus is, in Luke's gospel, they call it a traveling gospel because um, geography, where Jesus is going, is very important. And so somewhere around chapter 9, I think Jesus um, heads towards Jerusalem, and Luke makes a point of saying he resolutely heads towards Jerusalem. He sets his face towards Jerusalem. The only thing Jesus can think about, and the only thing that is in his purview, it's almost like he's got blinders, and he's just going to Jerusalem, where he would die, where he would be crucified, where he would be raised from the dead three days later. So Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and these great crowds are gathering around him, and they're interested in him, and they love his teaching, and they, they probably love the way he's defying the religious authorities and, and presenting um, a sort of a new message, and he's welcoming them. And then he turns to them, and he says, and he gives these instructions on discipleship, and the first thing we see is he says, if you want to follow me, I've got to be your number one priority. So if we look at chapter 14, maybe you have your Bibles. Um, you can pull those out. We're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 26 now. Jesus says to these folks who are interested in following him, If anyone comes to me, this is amazing, just listen to this. If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. If anyone does not hate his family or even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, many of you are thinking, what is he talking about? 
What about, you know, the Ten Commandments? Honor your father and mother. What about Paul in Ephesians 6 where he's saying, Fathers, um, train your children. In Ephesians 5 where he's saying, love your wife. And here we have um, St. Paul's, and we're promoting faith at home, and families teaching their children, and loving your spouse, and loving your children, and loving your grandparents, and then Jesus is coming and undermining all of that? Who does he think he is? Hate your family. What, what is going on here? The, the bulk of the biblical witness says love your family. And so we have to look at this differently. What is, what is, he's not contradicting everything, but he is speaking um, in very hyperbolic, very exaggerated terms. And I think what is interesting, if we, instead of seeing these as contradicting each other, think about this. The Bible's emphasis on loving your family, heck, even loving your enemies, shows us just how strongly our commitment needs to be to Jesus Christ. Because if we are to love them that much, as the whole Bible testifies to, if we're to love our families and even our enemies that much, in comparison to Jesus, it looks like hate is what he's saying. Relative to how much we're supposed to love Jesus, loving our families just looks nothing. It looks piddly. That's how high of a priority Jesus claims on our life. If we're going to follow him All of our other relationships must look like nothing. They must look expendable compared to Jesus Christ. That is really hard to hear. It is hard to hear. It's um, it's hard if you're, you're married and you know how much you love your spouse. It's hard if you have children and imagine the love you have for your children. And Jesus says, you're called to love me infinitely more than that. That is hard. Now, practically speaking, it, to me it's pretty obvious. It doesn't mean to hate your family. But it does mean that following Jesus is going to put a strain on these relationships. It, maybe it's your, your parents. Maybe your parents think it's absolutely insane that you wake up and go to church every Sunday morning. Maybe they think you're crazy. Many of you... Um, in this room, have a spouse that thinks what you're doing and coming here this morning is absolutely insane. Your husband, your wife, they can't understand why you would follow Jesus. Maybe you, you married them and you thought they would come around. Maybe you found Jesus, maybe on an alpha course or something, and um, you have since followed him and turned to him, and, and your spouse doesn't understand. That's hard. That's really hard. I've speak, spoken to so many people that, that, that just have this desire for their husband or their wife to come to know the Lord. And it's just not happening. And, and there's something comforting in this. Jesus knows that this will happen. He knows that following him are going to strain, is going to strain your family relationships. Um. So when we think about this, when we think about following Jesus, we realize he's got to be the number one priority in our life, and especially in our relationships. And so I invite you all to ask yourself this question this morning, okay? Ask yourself this question. Who in my life have I chosen over Jesus Christ? 
Who in my life am I continuing to choose instead of Jesus? Because there's somebody in all of our lives that we are placing higher than following Jesus. Who is that? What would it look like? What would your relationship with that person look like if you put Jesus ahead of them? They might understand. They might think, well, it's about time. What have you been doing? Or they might not. But Jesus is quite clear that to follow him, he has to be the number one priority in our lives. The second thing we see is that he um, calls us to sacrifice to follow him. It is a sacrifice to follow Jesus. Let's read verse 27 now. Chapter 14, verse 27 says this. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now what Jesus does not say is collect your dreams, collect your happiness, collect your possessions and walk along the road with me. He doesn't say that. He tells us to bring one thing with us, and that is our cross. What does that look like? Well, sometimes we're inconvenienced, right? Anybody drive down uh, Dorchester Road lately over by Ashboro? It's very inconvenient. Especially, I don't live over there, but if you live over there, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Sometimes um, we get an unexpected bill. Um, and we, so we have to go out once or twice less that month. We're inconvenienced. But so often our response is, is very pious, and we say, oh, well, I'm just bearing my cross. You're not, that's not bearing your cross. Even, even if you were driving to Ashboro to visit somebody who was sick or to proclaim the gospel to them, Yes, in, in some sense, you're sacrificing sitting in traffic to proclaim Jesus to somebody. Or even if um, the reason that you went out a few times less was because you had to decide between um, giving your tithe to the church or going out to eat because you have this unexpected bill and you decided to tithe to the church. And in some sense, yes, you are sacrificing, but it's just the beginning of bearing your cross. We, we sometimes we don't understand this extent because we don't have people really bearing their crosses in front of us day after day as Jesus would have. He said, bear your cross. If you're bearing a cross, you are a dead man walking. Cross bearers are on their way to death. Cross bearers are paraded through town with a cross on their beaten and bleeding shoulders. Crossbearers are cursed and mocked as they march to their death. Crossbearers are left alone, nailed to a splintery piece of wood, thirsty, beaten, watching their family members weep at their feet. That's what it means to bear your cross. That's what Jesus is calling us to. He's saying, if it comes to that, are you willing to follow me? If you will be my disciple, you have got to bear your cross. That is hard for us to come to grips with in this society. It is so easy 
to follow Jesus. We make it easy on ourselves. We're, I mean, praise the Lord, we're not getting persecuted for our faith. We're not in a Muslim country where if a family member decides to follow Christ, they will probably be murdered. We're not, we're not there. And so uh, we're very thankful for that. But at the same time, it can be kind of challenging because we don't actually know um, that we're called to sacrifice. And if we're going to follow Jesus as he's called us to follow him, we're going to have to give something up. We're going to have to give something up. And I don't know what it is in your life. I'd love to give you a great example, you know, three things to give up today if you want to follow Jesus better. But I don't know what it is. It's different for me than it is for you. But I will tell you this. We cannot carry our cross if we're holding too tightly to our relationships. If we're holding too tightly to our jobs or our financial security. If we're holding on to something other than Jesus' cross... We cannot follow him where he's going to call us to go. Now, maybe some of those things he'll let come along, but we've got to be willing to let him go. We have to be willing to to give them up to follow Jesus. So we're called to give Jesus priority. We're called to sacrifice. Um, and in the midst of all this, Jesus calls us to make a very calculated decision. He doesn't, he doesn't want to hide it from us. He wants us to actually decide what we're going to do. So let's read verses 28 to 31. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish... All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes with, to him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace." So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus wants you to make a calculated decision. You're not going to build a house if you don't have the money to complete it. Or if you get started and you have to stop in the middle, what, what, it looks ridiculous, right? A king is not going to go to war if he's not actually thought through what that might mean and the cost that might be on his country, on his soldiers, if he might be able to win. And likewise, we're not called to follow Jesus if we don't think we can make it. If we don't think we can follow it all the way through. Frankly, someone who commits to Jesus and then falls away, like it says here, he'll be mocked. Oh, you never should have become a Christian in the first place. You knew you couldn't do that. He wants us to make a calculated decision. We had a, um, a salesperson come by the other day. He, he was, it was amazing, frankly. Was, we were just finishing dinner. And he comes and he knocks on our door and he said, Mrs. Smith couldn't complete her order for meat. I've got a bunch. I'm tired. I want to go home. I've got to sell it before I leave. I'll give you a great deal. He practically walks in the door. We're like, what is going on? We don't even know Mrs. Smith. What are you talking about? He walks in the door and lays everything out on the counter. He says, this is an amazing deal. I just want to go home. i got to sell this. I'll give you this 100 pounds of meat for 200 bucks. 
And I'm thinking, wow, that's a pretty good deal. And the next thing he says is, how many orders do you want? How many should I put you down for? And he's starting to fill out the card, and I'm thinking, well, I like meat. Um, and and my, my level-headed wife says, no, we don't need 100 pounds of meat. I don't care how much it costs. We don't have a place to put it. What are we going to do with it? We can't complete this. And I'm like, well, that bacon. Was really <laughs> Jesus isn't like that. He's not trying to slip one on us. He's laying it out there. I mean, it's, he's like, you're going to die. Your family's probably going to hate you. You're going to carry a cross. Come on. Sometimes um, we hear testimonies, and we, it's because of this culture we live in that, that makes following Jesus easy. Uh, sometimes we'll, we'll hear people say, my life was, was awful, and I met Jesus, and now it's perfect. I don't think they met Jesus. A real testimony, and, and I know you all can identify this. Yes, things, things will, will often get better. God will pour his blessings out upon you for sure. But, but, but often the testimony goes something like this. At least mine does. Um, I was having a hard time, and I met Jesus. And things got worse. Things got harder. There were things that I realized about following him that, that were really hard for me to do. We go hiking every spring and fall. We, we put 40-pound packs on our shoulders. Some of us um, overpack and put a 60- to 70-pound pack on their shoulders. And we, we start out on these hikes. And there's one particular trail that when you start, you, you, you actually start going downhill towards the river. And you're thinking, this is, I can do this. And then you walk along the river, and you're thinking, I can do that. And then six hours later, you're standing up looking at another 1,000-foot peak that you've got to climb, and you're, you're thinking, I can't do that. There are lots of words to describe us at that particular moment, but happiness is not one of them. We might be joyful, we might be satisfied, we might be fulfilled, but we're certainly not going to be happy, and there's nothing easy about it. C.S. Lewis, this great and famous quote from him, he said this, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. If you want a comfortable, happy life, don't follow Jesus. But if you want a life of joy, a life of fulfillment. If you want a life of purpose, if you want a resurrection joy of, of, of new life that, that will blow your mind, then follow Jesus. Join him on this path. Pick up your cross. And join me as we seek the Lord who gives life, who loves us beyond anything we can ever imagine, and who calls us to die with him so that we might be raised from the dead with him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you've called us to sacrifice because you sacrificed everything. You've called us 
to make you our number one priority because you made us, you made following your Father in heaven for us the number one priority. I pray for the folks who have not heard this before who are thinking, what, is this something I, I want for my life? And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in them and show them. For the folks who are hearing this message and thinking, wow, that sounds really hard. I pray, Lord, that you give them strength. For all of us, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would give us faithfulness. That we may run the race that is set before us. That we may encourage one another. And we may share in that eternal resurrection with you. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen.